Thank you for listening to the Hidden in Plain Sight podcast with my dad, Matt Petrie. A few years ago now, I was reading through my journal and I noticed a pattern. That's one of the beauties of keeping a spiritual journal or a devotional journal, life journal, what have you, is that you'll sometimes pick up on patterns of your devotional life, your walk with God. And I noticed a pattern there that, number one, if for me personally, if it's been a long time between my last entry into the journal, that means I'm way too busy. It means I'm way too busy if I've stopped writing in the journal, even if it's a sentence, even if it's something small. But anyway, I noticed this pattern that I would have these seasons of grace where I would really be pressing into the Lord, drawing near to the Lord, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And there would be seasons where I would have grace for that. And it would seem like this is beautiful. This is glorious. And then along the way, I would get distracted or something would happen and, or I would get, just get busy doing good and kind things that you should do. And I would discover my distraction and all of a sudden be like, okay, I need to get back. I need to get back, back to the one thing lifestyle, back to sitting at his feet, back to making this what it's really all about. And that is loving Jesus and then sharing his love with other people, neighbors, and even enemies. So I noticed this pattern and I started to notice things that I did in the grace of God that would shorten that time of going from on, on a, a mountaintop with God to distraction, to a valley, what have you, uh, those times I would notice the distraction quicker. I would notice that as I would uh, journal and I get myself realigned back up to who I am and what God's called me to be and so forth. And uh, I came across this quote from one of my favorite mystics of all time that, you know, the Germans did a good job responding to Luther. You know, Luther thank God for Luther and his reformation, but he so emphasized justification by faith alone that he ended up telling people, sin boldly, sin boldly, which is obviously an error. Um, but And he had some other things that he said about Jewish people that were pretty nasty. But I do, I do see, I am thankful for his witness to Jesus in the earth. But there, a reason why I bring that up is because there needed to be a response to that. And the response to all of these people doing, you're saved by faith, you can live however you want, was a movement called German Pietism, we call it now, the Pietist Movement. It's a devotional movement. It's a devotional movement. It was a callback to devotion to Jesus in response to what He did for us on the cross. You know, if you really get the message of righteousness, that we have this free gift of righteousness given to us by Jesus a righteousness that you cannot make better, a righteousness that you cannot approve upon. When that is real to you, the appropriate response is, how can I do anything to live for you? How can I live for you, God? How can I receive grace to live for you as you have loved me and gave yourself for me? Even while I was an enemy to you, you showed me that kind of love and saved my life. You are my hero. I want to respond to your love by loving you back. And so the pietist movement developed and several pietist writers and German mystics began to rise up and have direct encounter with God. And one of them was Meister Eckhart, Meister Eckhart. And he had this quote, he said, 
How long can the moth flirt near the flame? Uh, excuse me. Let me start over. How long can the moth flirt near the mouth of the flame before their lips touch and the moth's soul becomes like the sun? How long do you think you can just flirt with him before you dissolve in ecstasy? Oh, I love that. I love that. How long can the moth flirt near the mouth of the flame before their lips touch and the moth's soul becomes like a sun? How long do you think you can just flirt with him before you dissolve in ecstasy? Now, my elevator speech for my book, Moths Flirting with Flames, that's why I wrote that book, Moths Flirting with Flames, is about that time of reflection in my journal and me coming to realization that there have been times in my life where I have flirted <laughs> with God, where I have been like the moth flirting near the mouth of the flame, just close enough, but not necessarily giving my whole heart in every area. And you do want to aim for wholeheartedness. Something shifts Everything begins to shift when we say, you know what? Yeah, I've got this area of compromise, but you know what? I'm going to aim for wholeheartedness. I want to give my whole heart to the Lord in a loving obedience to Him because, I mean, obedience to Him is His love language. I don't care what anybody says. Jesus said in John 14, 21, He that has my commandments and obeys them, He's the one that loves me. And I want to be a person that loves God, or I should say loves Him back, because every person who said, I love you, is actually saying, I love you too, when they say that to the Lord. If you tell the Lord, I love you, you're actually saying, I love you too. Because he said it first at the cross. He demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were sinners and enemies of God, he loved us and died for us. And so I noticed that there were times when I would get distracted and that I was just flirting like a moth with the flame and all the while knowing I'm about to be dissolved in ecstasy once I make this decision to end this compromise and give myself wholeheartedly to the Lord. Now, the Bible says the person who says they have no sin is a liar. They are a liar. We all have sin and compromise, but we're not going to change the standard. Yes, we stumble. Yes, we may fall. We get back up and we say yes to God's standard and His ways, and we say, this is the way to live. It's Christ's model. It's his, he's the standard of living. He's the standard of excellence and how to live as a son to the Father. And I'm going to set my heart in the grace of God by the Holy Spirit to live as he did. I'm going to fall short, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to rebuke that mess and come up out of the compromise and say yes to God and start afresh. So uh, I found out a couple things during that time of reflection, many things actually. Uh, obviously, some things that go over in the book are some things that have helped me in my journey of staying in that place of being dissolved <laughs> into the flame of God's loving fire, the flame of His love. And uh, But I really, man, I'm telling you, this. I noticed one particular area that was really bumming me out and causing me to get distracted, and that was this over-romanticization of devotional life. I began to see this, hear this, and read about how many were taking this posture of, I never have distraction in prayer, 
or we are the ones that are going to bring the revival. I, my, I never have a bad day in devotion, or I never have a bad day in prayer. Listen, that is just so not real, man. I mean, that, that goes in the face of 2,000 years of Christian witness by the people who have actually walked this out and changed their world for Jesus. Even they admit that there were times that where they got distracted or that they were frustrated or that even in prayer, saints, that statement that you don't have any distractions or your devotional life is so strong and healthy that you never have any issues in your prayer life, saints, you have a better prayer life than Christ did. If you believe that way, you have a better prayer life than Christ did because even he had the Garden of Gethsemane. Even Jesus had the place of tears and of crushing. And, and right there, his disciples were so distracted while their best friend is having his most difficult time that he said, I'm exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Or put it in today's language, I'm so sad I could die. And his friends are distracted and falling asleep on him. Saints, even Peter, James, and John, who witnessed Jesus' transfiguration on Mount Hermon, Trained before their clothes become like lightning, heard the audible voice of the Father thunder. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. They heard that with their own ears, and yet they still had challenges in devotion. And we all do. And I wanted to do <clears throat> what I called a clean break. I wanted a clean break from the over romanticization of devotional life. And in that book, Ma's Flirting with Flames, I wanted to be as open and as honest and as real as I possibly could about my highest moments and encounter with God and how I responded. But then also talk about how, man, there were some, there are some days, some seasons, and there's even been maybe even a year, and as I look back 25 years, where I describe it as the cloud the size of a man's hand over me in terms of the presence of God. It felt like there was just a cloud the size of a man's hand over me. And I would go back again in devotion, just like Elijah crying out for rain, sends the, sends the son of the prophets to go check for the rain. And they say, all we see is a cloud of the size of a man's hand. And he goes, oh, that's hopeful. Let me go pray again. Let me go pray again. And I found myself going again in devotion. And that's why... That phrase really stood out to me, and it became a metaphor for me that if I'm in that place or if you're in that place where you've been stuck, you feel like you've been in a funk or that you've had some devotional distraction, I challenge you to go again. Go check again. And even if there is the cloud the size of a man's hand, a cloud the size of a man's hand in terms of his presence, the measure of his presence over your life, Go pray again. Go pray again. Go get in that place of devotional intimacy with God and thank Him for the small measure. Have gratitude for the cloud the size of a man's hand. And he, who knows? In that moment, He may increase the size of that cloud over your life, over your church. You say, there's not much going on in my church. Sunday mornings, we have the cloud the size of a man's hand. Or I'm leading worship. And there's not much going on. I see a little breakthrough here and there. It's just a cloud the size of a man's hand. But God can give you hope with that 
It's really supernatural. Even the cloud, the size of a man's head is supernatural. And it speaks to the rain that's going to come. It speaks hope to your future. Stay with it with gratitude and go again. And would you consider with me, please, let's have a clean break from the over-romanticized version of, of the prayer life. Let's be honest about it. Listen, I heard a conversation between a, a guy who's been doing this a long time and a young man. He got frustrated in prayer and he went to the older man. He said, look, I keep getting distracted in prayer. I had to bring my mind back to Jesus 10 times in my prayer meeting. And the old man looked at him and smiled and said, you were able to bring your mind back to Jesus 10 times? See, that flips things, doesn't it? That kid was bummed out that he got distracted and brought his mind back to Jesus 10 times. And the old man said, wait a second. There's a cloud the size of a man's hand here. There's something to be hopeful here. You were able to bring your mind back to Jesus 10 times? Man, you should be celebrating. You should have gratitude. You should have gratitude. So I encourage you, go get Moths Flirting with Flames. I, I believe it'll be a blessing to you. It'd be an encouragement to you. Get it for somebody as a gift. It's on Amazon. You can check it out. I believe it will stir up your hunger for the presence of God. And I also talk about in there what I see is the difference between a person of prayer and a person of His presence. We talk about contemplative prayer in there, the power of praying in the Spirit, and how praying in the Spirit is a doorway to contemplative prayer and many other topics as well. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast if it's been a blessing to you. God bless you so much.